problem is that I have charisma. So you don't realize how clueless I actually am. And the home of the to episode 47 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And today we have a very special treat for you, the listener, a very special guest, and a very questionable introduction by yours truly. I don't know why I'm talking like that. How are you, James? uh james seems to have gotten hit on the head uh or possibly his apartment is filling up with nitrous so i apologize for that uh i will look in on him momentarily to make sure he's okay um in the interim i hope that you have had a good week dear listener and um to just to give you a little hint about why this podcast is so very special we have a, a special guest that will be joining us in just a few minutes, who's a lot smarter than we are, especially where hockey is concerned, and hopefully he can edumacate us all a little bit, which is fitting because he's a teacher, uh, edumacate us all a little bit about the upcoming NHL trade deadline, but uh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm getting word. It, it, looks like, uh, it looks like James is, in fact, okay. So uh, let, let's try this again. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. I, I'm glad. I'm glad. You should put some ice on that. <laughs> Will do, sir. Okay. The Joker's got nothing on you, let yeah. me just say that. Yeah, well. Uh, you know, some people call me a space cowboy. Uh, oh, some people okay. call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. That one, I don't get a lot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh. Anyway. What was I talking about? I don't know, but this is great. I, I enjoy this. We need more Gary Mack time on the uh, Hit the Deck podcast. Yeah, your mileage may vary on that one. <laughs> you know what? Uh, we have a lot to talk about on this show, so why don't I dispense with the nonsense, and why don't we jump straight into our starting lineup, yes? Yes, sir. All right. And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as is our custom, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and my cultured co-host. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi, and once again, great friend of Hit the Decks and LIQ superstar. At forward, number 44, Brad Vonsky. Brad, me bookie, so good to have you back. Good to be back. Well, yeah, we, we need you, buddy. Yeah, we are always very happy when you grace us on the podcast. But uh, if you would not mind holding on for just one minute, we have one little other bit of business to take care of. Go right ahead, guys. 
So, James, if you would be so kind, would you mind, would I be imposing, were I to ask you if you could please be so kind as to tell us what is on deck for this podcast? We'll be happy to, sir. Thank you. NHL trade deadline. This is way too complicated. So the American Rhino has called in a good friend of Hit the Decks and LIQ superstar, as you heard, Brad, to sort it all out for us. Who will go where? What teams will benefit the most? Which teams are planning for next year? Will the LIQ finally dump me for a bag of old pucks? Listen in and find out. Slapshot 40, the best hockey movie ever made, turns 40. The NHL Network recently celebrated with a documentary on the classic film, and Gary and I will continue the party as the February 25th anniversary of Slapshot's release approaches. Put your foil on and help us answer the burning question, who owned a chief? And seven days of hockey bliss. At the recording of this podcast, Hockey Week in America is in full swing. For a hockey fan in the USA, this week is incredible. February 22nd marks the 37th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. February 24th is the 37th anniversary of Team USA winning that gold. It's Wear Your Favorite Hockey Jersey Day, and it's my mom's birthday. Finally, February 25th is not only the 40th anniversary of Slapshot, but is the date of this season's NHL Stadium Series game. All hail hockey. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. But let us not keep the good people waiting. So uh, we, as you heard, have Brad on tap to talk about the upcoming NHL trade deadline. So, uh, Brad, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I always look forward to the trade deadline every year. And I seem to get let down every year. Because it seems like it's usually just a bunch of third and fourth liners who are getting dealt for like a fifth or sixth round pick. Mm. But I always hold out for those big blockbusters. Yeah, I, I always feel, hope for at least one or two. I feel like even uh, a few years ago, it was maybe more exciting than it tends to be now. Like you'd have the the trade tracker open on your computer all day, and and you know, oh, such and such went to to so and so, and. Now it just seems like, I mean, yeah, occasionally there's a big trade here or there, but it just seems like it's a lot of little moves. Maybe most of the, the big trades tend nowadays to even be done prior to, to the deadline day. Yeah, definitely. And I think we see them more at the draft now because mm. of the salary cap. So it gives teams a lot, a lot more time to uh, work things out, trade people when they need to, hope someone retires, that kind of stuff. Sure. So yeah, just to let everybody know out there that the 2017 NHL trade deadline is 3 p.m. on March 1st, Eastern Standard Time. So Brad, if you wouldn't mind, any specific players you're uh, looking into that are on the trading block? Uh, what teams you think are buyers? Who do you think are sellers? And basically just kind of lead us through this whole thing because like Gary said, it's really complicated. It's a lot of stuff to follow. And this is hit the deck and not hit the NHL. So please, please help us with your expertise. Sure. I think there's one big factor going into this trade deadline that's going to maybe make it a little more exciting. And that's the fact that we have an expansion draft coming up. That's true. So teams are looking to protect players and maybe get rid of players who they know they're going to lose. So they at least get something for them. Maybe get a prospect, maybe a draft pick that they can use later on down the road. So that might be a little bit of a factor that might bring some bigger names into the equation. Do we happen to know, just out of curiosity, is the expansion draft before or after the NHL draft? That is a good question. And uh, 
I'm honestly not quite sure. Um, hmm. That might... I'm assuming it's probably that week and probably the week before, week after, somewhere around there. I'm going to look that up while you chat Go right ahead. sound smart. <laughs> so I think this year we've... Because of the NHL's great work on making the league very equal and it's striving for parity, we really only have two selling teams that we can really say are definitely sellers. And those are Colorado and Arizona. Colorado is not just bad, they are historically bad. So they're going to look to get whatever they possibly can from their lineup. And I think the main name that's coming out of Colorado is going to be Jerome McGinley. I think okay. he's a guy who's going to want to win a cup finally. And I think Joe Sackick, being the GM of Colorado, is going to honor a veteran's request. Can you send me to a cup contending team? So maybe a team like Pittsburgh or Minnesota would be able to take him on. So I think that might be, he's probably the main name coming out of Colorado that they might be able to get, let's say like a late first round pick, an early second round pick, something something like that for him. Because he's not having the best season, and you can't really expect much out of him at this point in his career. Seven goals, nine assists so far this year, so not really first-round pick-worthy or or A-list prospect-worthy. But he's still a good leader to have in the locker room, and I think we all three of us would agree we'd like to see him raise the cup in June. Be a nice story. Sure, yeah. Didn't he already make a run with—was it Pittsburgh or Boston that the Iginla— uh, I, late, be- I think it was a trade deadline, as a matter of fact. Yeah, but, yeah, I believe it was Pittsburgh. I don't. I don't think he lifted the cup. No, he did not. With them. No. But yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that's interesting. Minnesota would make sense. I mean, they they from the outside looking in, they they're a great team, and they have been for the last couple of seasons too. But they seem to have a lot of youth, right? Would that probably be uh, maybe the best fit for Iginla if that does happen? I think it will be the best fit, and I think, like you said, they have a lot of youth. They have. A lot of young guys on that team that could benefit from having a veteran presence in the locker room. They do have some other guys like Stahl on that team and, and uh, Zach Parise, who are good guys to have in the locker room. I also could see Aginla possibly going to Edmonton. They've got the cap room for him. Yeah. And again, that's a really young group of guys there at Edmonton. And he would be someone that could help bring them all together and maybe lead them on a run in the playoffs. And that's, I mean, Edmonton to me is a very scary team to face because of all that youth, they're going to be very unpredictable. And you're facing Connor McDavid, who is unstoppable at this point. And for a young kid, who knows what he's going to do. So it'd be nice to have Aginla there to kind of calm everyone down when they finally get into that playoff atmosphere. And then from also from Colorado, the other big name that is being thrown around, which is uh, Matt Duchesne has been getting a lot of um, a lot of press lately, but Sakic is asking a lot for him. So what I have seen on you know on the Twitter is uh, <laughs> Duchesne's asking price. Sakic is asking for a first round pick, a A level prospect, so someone who is a former first round pick and the number one defenseman for Matt Ooh, Duchesne. Wow, which I think is a gigantic asking price. It was um, mentioned the other day that the Islanders had, and this is by a Twitter user who has been right sometimes and been wrong sometimes, but um, you know where there's smoke, there's fire. Apparently, Islanders had turned down a counter offer from Colorado that consisted of uh, Ryan Pollock, who is our the Islanders' number one defensive prospect, a first round pick, and also uh, Matthew Barzell, who is a former first round pick as well. So basically, 
three first round picks for Matt Duchesne, which is a hefty price. Agreed. And uh, getting back to Aginla, I think that was an excellent point you made about Edmonton. He would be the perfect fit for a young, scrappy team like that. He has the experience, the playoff experience as well. So I'd, I'd look forward to see that. But I 100% agree with you again with Duchesne also. I guess you figure with teams like Colorado in, in the driver's seat, why not ask for the moon and see if you get it? So good for the Islanders not uh, selling out because they're in contention too. Now, if you, I don't know if you heard the podcast last time, but uh, Brad, um, the Islanders have been playing really, really well since they let Capuano go and, and Waite has taken over. But with the wild card are they allowed to qualify for the wild card? Because does this, does it matter that the Metropolitan Division has obviously you have the three leaders, and then the Rangers are leading in the wild card now? But uh, is it okay for two wild card teams to come from the same division, or does the, that extra wild card automatically go to Florida if the Rangers or uh, let's say if they overtake uh, Columbus takes the wild card in, in the Metropolitan? Well, the extra wild card is available for either division. So okay, good. Okay. If so, if the Islanders were to take that last spot, they would basically play as if they were part of the Atlantic Division. So they would have a run through the Atlantic Division, or actually, whatever team finishes the second seed, whether it be from the Metro or the Atlantic, then the sixth wild card would play the higher seed, and they'd be part of that division. So let's say let's say Columbus takes the conference, then the Metro would be the higher seed. So the lowest wild card would play the Metro division. Okay, great. Yeah, because I, I want to see the Islanders make it because they, they deserve it right now. And, uh, you know, Florida currently leads in that second wild card spot. And it was Toronto, but they've bumped up to the third place in the Atlantic division. So we'll see about that. Yeah, it's, it's really a dogfight right now. There's a lot of teams vying for that last spot because the Rangers basically have the first wild card spot locked down. And I think that's probably where they're going to want to sit because they'll be playing the Atlantic Division if they end up sitting there, which is a weaker division and probably an easier run for them to get to the conference finals. This just in, gentlemen. Uh, I have the information on the drafts. And June is our magic month. Really, uh, pretty much a magic week in late June. So the way it breaks down is that NHL teams must submit their protected lists by... No later than June 17th. On June 20th, the Las Vegas franchise submits their, basically their draft picks from that list. And then we, the great unwashed, find out what they decided to pick on June 21st. And then following that, June 23rd and 24th is the entry draft. Thank you, sir. So uh, it makes sense that they would announce the picks prior to the entry draft so teams could kind of pick up what they lost if if they choose to go in that direction. Okay, appreciate that, American Rhino. You so, got uh, it. So, Thank you, Gary. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Brad, um, okay, I, I think we – have we covered all of the, uh, the the sellers right now or at least the main sellers I think the, the other seller is, is, is Arizona, and they've got right. guys like uh, Martin Hansel and Radim Verbata, who, again, not really household names, but they're guys that could shore up a team looking for a second-line center or a second-line winger or someone to play on the second power play unit. And neither one makes a whole lot of money, so teams who are cap-strapped may be able to add them in without having to worry too much. So they could be valuable pieces. And again, this is the type of NHL where you're not going to see 
blockbuster names dealt at the trade deadline as rentals. So you may see bigger names dealt simply because of that expansion draft factor. Right. Okay, great point. That might be the only way we see that. Gotcha. So uh, before we get into the buyers, uh, Brad, if you wouldn't mind, I'm curious to see what you think the bubble teams would be and uh, what direction they're looking to go. If they're looking to have a piece or two that would get them over the edge or if they may even decide to uh, hold back and, and close up shop and wait till next year. The bubble teams, I think, are going to just depend upon how this next week goes. So if they, let's say some of those bubble teams win out, then they might be more buyers because they feel like they're in a better position to take one of those wild card spots. And if if they have a poor record during this next week, then you might see them drop into the selling mode. So those are teams like the Detroit Red Wings, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Devils, the Canucks, the Lightning, the Sabres, mm. maybe even the Flyers. Because the Flyers are fairly close, but they haven't been playing as well of late. No, so they kind they, of fell off a cliff. You're yeah, right, yeah. So they could, they, those are all teams that could possibly drop down in the selling mode and think, you know what, we had our shot this year, we're not going to make it, let's try to shore up for next season, pick up a few draft picks, pick up a young player who might be able to help us out in the future, and kind of you know, get rid of that dead weight and shore up for next season. Okay. So I think a team like Detroit, you might see them, I think, I think Thomas Vanek is definitely gone. Because uh-huh. he's, a, he's a UFA at the end of the season. They're going to want to get something for him. He's likely not going to be back. I think he's probably going to be one of the most likely guys we see dealt. Again, he would have been a big blockbuster name five years ago. Right. Now he's more at the tail end of his career. But he still has a hell of a shot. Uh, he's a great addition to a power play. You know, We saw him with the Islanders a couple of years ago. He knows how to do one thing well, and that's put the puck in the net. So mm-hmm. that's a great guy to have during the playoffs. However, he's not going to fetch a big return because he has not had the best playoff resume in his career. He's been seen as a guy who chokes during the playoffs. Ah. And we saw that with Montreal a couple of years ago when the Islanders dealt him there. He did not have a great playoffs. He ended up playing on the fourth line for them throughout the rest of the season. Despite them trying to get him to shore up their playoff lineup, he really didn't do much. So he's more of a regular season performer, similar to what people think of Rick Nash with the mm-hmm. Rangers, where mm-hmm. Potts goals all season, playoffs come, one or two goals during the playoffs you know, and a sister too, kind of disappears. And as far as Jersey goes, I think that's the other team that's really on the bubble. I think P.A. Parento is probably gone out of that lineup. They'll try to find a way to maybe get rid of Michael Camilleri, who has not been impressing at all this season, has been a healthy scratch a couple times. He might be someone they might want to get rid of and just try to get maybe a second or third round pick for, maybe maybe a third round pick and a mid-level prospect, something like that. That's, okay. that's the kind of atmosphere we're in right now. Right, yeah, because the Devils do give up a lot of goals, so that's kind of been their demise for the year. I thought that they were going to have enough to at least make a legitimate playoff run, if not make the playoffs, but they have the goalies are pretty, uh, Schneider's pretty solid, and they have some good young talent there to, to put the puck in the net, but I think their uh, their defense is a little bit sketchy too, so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. But not really a team that, like like Detroit, it seems like, that if they're not going to make the playoffs for the first time in, what, 25 consecutive seasons or something like that, which is mm-hmm. pretty r- ridiculous. But uh, Detroit seems like a team that may be being in rebuild mode a little bit for the first time in a long time. Uh, I don't think the Devils are quite going to be there, but you know your guess is as good as mine at this point, I suppose. Yeah, the Devils have just kind of been sitting in that rebuild limbo the last couple seasons. Like, you know, they it sort of seemed like when Zach Parisi left that they were going to go into full-on rebuild mode, yet then they picked up Corey Schneider. 
Yeah. And that kind of went totally against that. And they decided, oh, we're going to be sort of a little bit of both, which is sometimes not the best way to go because you end up sitting in that 13th, 14th, 15th spot in the league where you don't get the best draft picks, but you also don't make the playoffs. Right. So you're just kind of sitting there middling in limbo with kind of spinning your wheels, you know? Sure, definitely. So uh, I I was just going to say, I guess move on to the buyers. What do you think? Sure, absolutely. Sounds good. Because that's where it gets most interesting, right? Agreed. So um, I think our our buyers going into this trade deadline, I think, again, each team has its own uh, reasons for going into the buying mode. So I think maybe the Kings will be a buying team because that team always turns it on when it hits playoff time. Yet their goaltending situation is not the best right now with Jonathan Quick still on the injured reserve. And I wish Mike was here to give us his analysis on that. I was wondering if we were going to get through a whole Kings reference without mentioning Mike. (laughs) <laughs> now nah, you know that's impossible yeah i guess so <laughs> uh I, I yeah continue james no, i was just gonna say as well it should be but go ahead uh i think also on the buying list we mentioned them already i think edmonton this is the first time in a long time their fans have had something to look forward to so they might want to get someone to kind of push them through and say you know what we're not going to be happy with just making the first round let's try to make the second or third round here this season so that might be someone toronto you know you never know with the toronto media whether they're being truthful or not, so we've heard that they're going to be buyers. No, they're going to be sellers. No, they're going to be buyers. They're in on Duchesne. They're in on Landeskog. So you don't, you know, you never know where that's going to go. Well, I think with the Canadian media, especially Toronto and Montreal, I think it, it might be a little bit of wishful thinking there. Like, oh, they're more competitive than we really want to accept that they are. It's a very good point, Gary. <laughs> well, yeah. Plus, Toronto is only what about five points behind Montreal right now at the recording of this podcast. So they've gone up. Toronto has from being the wild card leader or fighting for a wild card spot to now a rock hard third spot in the Atlantic, and they are just three points behind Ottawa and five points behind Montreal to to be number one in the Atlantic. So. They're an interesting team, Toronto. Probably the best young player to come out in NHL history in a long time in Austin Matthews is leading the way there. They are, I believe, the youngest team in the league, if not among the youngest. And really, they're playing, I don't know if it's just above their heads right now or, or just like having that youth and reckless abandon or whatever the case is. But I agree with you 100%. You're absolutely right. You don't know one day they're a seller, one day they're a buyer. I'm going to put my money on that they're going to be a buyer because I think that they're playing pretty well right now and they're kind of crawling up the standings. And like Gary said, man, that that's a heck of a, of a rivalry there in Toronto and Montreal. So I think they would be more than delighted to light a fire under those youngsters and, and see how far they could ride them through the playoffs. I think you're right, James. I think at the end of the day, next week, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see at least, one of these names we've been talking about on the uh, trade bait list ending up on on the Maple Leafs. And I think it's we're just seeing the change of the guard in the league right now. We're seeing teams like the Red Wings dropping off and the Flyers. Yeah. And we're seeing the young teams like like the Maple Leafs, like the Oilers, like the Wild are now becoming the prime teams in the league. Yeah, that's an excellent point, too, because especially Edmonton, they've gotten every it seemed like every year they were getting the first round pick every season and then just not even coming close to making the playoffs and exactly minnesota it's it's the hotbed of hockey in this country i mean the whole state is the state of hockey i think they refer to it as and Mm -hmm. such 
So it, it's great to see them finally coming to the fore of, uh, of being an elite team in this league because you need, sure, okay, D- Detroit, maybe it's their turn to kind of take it easy a little bit and especially losing uh, Gordie Howe, maybe that might have some psychological <laughs> hole in, uh, in their hearts as well that they couldn't really dig out of. So maybe the timing is just odd or whatever the case is. But yeah, great point that teams like St. Louis, Minnesota that have been so good for so long, but because of teams like Chicago being in the way or, or San Jose and Nashville that they can, or LA, I should say as well, that they can finally bust their way through and, and get their piece of the, uh, the glory. Even my six-year-old daughter has become a Minnesota fan. How'd that happen? <laughs> she likes the jersey. Hey, all right. It is a nice jersey. It is. Not, not the green one, the, the maroon one. Mm. That's a cool, yeah, that's a cool jersey. Yeah. All right. And then as far as the buyers go, I think both of our teams are going to be on that buyers list, mm-hmm. Rangers and Islanders. For different reasons. I think the Rangers are seeing that window of opportunity with, with Henrik Lundqvist starting to close. Sure. And I think they're going to want to take advantage of it while they can. Yeah. And I think, the, I think the Islanders are going to be buyers, whether or not they should be, simply because Garth Snow is fighting for his job right now. And he's going to want to make some sort of big splash to show the ownership that, look, I'm doing my best and please don't fire me. <laughs> yeah, because they have a lot of pressure on their shoulders, too. If, if they're going to stay in Brooklyn, if they're not, if they're going to go back to Long Island, whatever the story is. But they had a heck of a splash last year in their first season in Brooklyn. And what an exciting postseason they had last year, too. So I don't know if it was just injuries or a couple of key moves that left them uh, in the offseason. But they're, they're really gelling now and uh, playing well. So I'm I'm glad that you're here specifically, Brad, because Gary and I kind of talked about it last week, but wished that you were there to vouch for the Islanders. But uh, Capuano, on the outside looking in, I, I thought he was a good coach. I thought he did a good job in, in rebuilding the team and, and getting the, the team back to the glory days or, or at least being a perennial playoff team that it should be. But true Blue Islander fans definitely felt different about that. So do you think that they kind of stopped playing for Capuano and then – got Wade in there and got that out of the way. And as you said, Snow now is trying to, to fight for his job. And all of those things combined maybe could be a factor in uh, the Islanders becoming buyers. I think what you said that Capuano uh, kind of lost the team, they kind of stopped playing for him, mm-hmm. uh, is definitely part of, the, uh, part of the factor in why they were so poor early on this season. I think also part of it also being Capuano's fault was just simply his system was not fitting the players that they have on the team now, Capuano was still coaching the team like he had the same guys he had five years ago. So, yeah, you can throw out Tavares and he'll do whatever he wants any night because that's just the type of player he is. He's that skilled. But the rest of the guys need a system to support them. So Capuano this season changed it up even a little bit, but he changed it up in the wrong direction and made them into a dump and chase team, which worked when they had a guy like Matt Martin on the back end last year and a tenacious four-checker like Franz Nielsen and Kyle Poso in the lineup. You lose those guys, you got to change things up a little bit. And Capuano wasn't willing to do that. So bring in Doug Waite. If you watch the games, the Islanders are much more exciting to watch now simply because Waite sort of pulled the shackles off the guys and is just letting them go offensively. Use your skills. Don't worry so much about the defense. You know, he's, he's got the defense coming up into the play every time. So instead of it being a three-on-three, they make it a four-on-three. You, you send that defenseman up to, to create the extra scoring chance. So Wade has kind of 
taken the guys and allowed them to use their skills, which the Islanders have a lot of young talent on that team that was not being utilized to the best of their abilities under Capuano's previous system. Okay, fair enough. Brad, I'm curious. Sorry, James. Brad, I'm curious to get your opinion while we're talking about the Islanders. Um, So you mentioned that Garth Snow is fighting for his GM job. But do you think if they flame out and miss the playoffs or or just collapse in the first round like last year? Or wait, did they win the first round last year? Yes. Yeah, they took the in first an round. In exciting last year. fashion, too. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the second round they lost. But do you yeah. think if they have a, another disappointing end to the season, let's say, like uh, last year or worse, do you think that the Barclays situation, the Barclays Center situation, is enough of a distraction to save Snow's job? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I think the ownership is pretty aggravated with the way things went early on this season. So basically the story that I heard is that the Islanders lost a couple months ago, right before Capiano was fired, they lost a pretty pivotal game to the Hurricanes hmm. in pretty fabulous fashion. They lost something like 6-1, 6-2. Right. And it was a road game in Carolina, and the Islanders' ownership happened to come on that trip. Ah. And told Snow in not so many words, this is it. So they allowed Cappy to coach his last game in his home city in Boston the next day, and he was canned the next morning. Hmm. So I think the ownership has kind of had it up to here with the Islanders not performing as well as they should because they bought the team as a young team that was supposed to compete for the next five, six, seven years, what have you. So I think they also did not like the way he handled the Ocposo and Nielsen free agencies. Mm-hmm. You know, Ocposo was never even tendered a contract by Snow. Oh, he was just allowed to walk. Really? Yes. So sure. they had no intentions of re-signing Ocposo. And Nielsen was given the exact same contract that he got in Detroit by the Islanders. He chose Detroit because he wanted to change the scenery, which, if you read between the lines, basically means I'm not too thrilled with the coaching staff right now. So he Snow's reluctance to get rid of Capuano or get Capi to change the system may have lost him Ocposo and Nielsen, who are both performing very well. They were both all-stars in their new, yeah. in their new cities. Right. Uh, good point. Yeah, I'm so, sure that just rubs yeah. salt in the wounds. <laughs> and uh, I don't think... I don't think the Barclays Center situation is going to have any effect upon whether Snow keeps his job or not. All right. And while we have you on the topic of coaches and, you know, management personnel losing their jobs, we talked last week on the podcast about the Canadians firing Michel Therrien in favor of bringing in Claude Julien while being in first place. I'm curious as to get your take on that situation. Actually, I think it's a pretty brilliant move by the Canadians because – Claude Julien was, um, has a, such a great resume as a coach, and if the Canadians really do want to win the Cup this year, which who doesn't, Of course, a good coach like that becomes available, I think you have to go after him. And the Canadians were starting to fizzle like they have the last couple seasons. So why not bring in a coach to get them over that hump that they might be fizzling out on and push them even farther beyond that? So I think if they wanted Julien to be the coach... He was not going to survive as a free agent very much longer. So I think the Canadians saw their opportunity and they took it. All right, that's a fair point. All right, cool. Thank you. Sure. 
And before we go into the eight players or so that you have your eye on for who may go where and for the NHL trade deadline, uh, we will get into the deck hockey point of uh, possible trade deadlines and stuff too. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll pick Gary's brain for that because in, in our league, it's usually the goalies that pick teams. Yeah. But, uh, so just for the for the deck fans out there, we'll, we'll get back to that. So, I'm pretty bad um, at that, by the way. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, maybe you could fit right in with the NHL GMs as well. But anyway, <laughs> so, so yeah, Brad, you were saying before off air that you were kind of looking at maybe eight players to narrow it down to that may definitely go somewhere. If you haven't mentioned them already, anybody that you specifically see could be the biggest difference maker for either A, leaving the team or B, adding to a new team? Sure. I think the number one name out there that is probably going to get moved, other than Aginla, is uh, Kevin Shattenkirk out of the uh, yes. St. Louis Blues. Right. He's a fantastic defenseman, and the Blues are right there in, in, in the thick of it out in the Western Conference. But the Blues have lost a couple of free agents the past couple of seasons and got nothing for them, David Backus being the biggest of them. So I think the St. Louis management does not want to have that happen again, especially with such a big name as Kevin Shattenkirk. Mm-hmm. So I think he might be one of those guys that gets dealt simply because, you know, teams want to get what they can for him. And if they, if they see that he's going to walk out the door come July 1st as a free agent and sign someplace else, they might as well pick something up for him, even if they are going to make the playoffs. Okay. Good so um, the number one team that it keeps coming up for Shattenkirk is the New York Rangers. And they've been thinking about him for apparently for years now. Yes. They've been going after true. him. That's right. Yeah, I definitely vouch for that. Yeah. Where do the Rangers find cap room to acquire any big player? I think we would have to see some other moves going on. I think we'd have to see them drop someone along the way, a salary cap dump on someone, maybe one of those teams that is selling some of their players, maybe deal them someone to take on one of those lower cap teams like Arizona, like Carolina. Hmm. Um, and then the Rangers can pull in Shattenkirk. That being said, people have asked, will the Rangers be able to get this person because of their cap a lot? And somehow the Rangers always seem to find room someplace. All right, that's, yeah. that's true. That is true. <laughs> in fact, don't, ask, don't tell. If yeah. I recall correctly, the NHL had to change the rules uh, uh, at least right. once just because of the Rangers' cap shenanigans. It's mm-hmm. no question why they are hated. So I, I only defend the Rangers so much, especially for, for stupid things like that. So <laughs> we'll leave that for another podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the other thing, too, with the Rangers, is, as a matter of fact, is uh, Shea. Brady Shea, their, their rookie defenseman, has had such a great season. And I don't think they saw that coming at all. So maybe that might take the Rangers out of the running because he's done so well as the number mm-hmm. one defenseman to go along with their captain, McDonough, as well. But uh, who knows? Yeah, you guys have had some surprises there this year, especially Michael Grabner. You know, congratulations on that. Yeah, way he's the, playing. Yeah, that, that, that's the other thing too, which which always frustrates me is I'm not a, a, an Islander hater by any means, and you know I respect Brad and and my best friend Patrick. Growing up, he's been a diehard Islander fan his whole life, and uh, I've always been a Ranger fan that doesn't hate the Islanders, and and that always I hate that when when they get a player like Grabner. I remember he came up with Gremlin was his nickname and all that. And then free agency or, or waivers, they lose him. And then, of course, the Rangers have to pick him up. And he's been such a, a difference maker for them, too. But uh, I, I don't want to get you angry, Brad, so we'll just move on. Well, look, James, the Rangers have been on the opposite side of that equation so many times in their history. I, I think it's about time we got one. 
Yeah, we the Rangers usually let the youth go to waste and then get some old hack has been that just kind of plays his retirement money on Broadway. But yeah, I don't know. Well, they, they've had such a good season all year and they're only a few points off from being number one. But that's the weird thing about the point system. And that's what's what's making this thing so much more complicated. The trade deadline is that you find teams. I remember growing up and, and Brad, if you could bail me out with this as well. That uh, if if a team was in the 90s and 100 points, like 100 points meant you were at least guaranteed top three spot. Now, if you get 100 points, it's, you're not even sure if you're going to be a six seed or a, or outside looking in. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, yeah. yeah, it's that dreaded uh, shootout point. The yeah, uh, exactly. it's, yep. it's the loser point. The Metro just has been so tight this year. I just looked at the standings today, and the top four teams are within like two or three games of each other. Yeah, and you're talking about it really is crazy. That's, again, uh, being uh, rooting for the Islanders. That's that's why I was so concerned that because they if they make the playoffs, they deserve to make the playoffs. They're in the toughest division in the in, in hockey. But uh, you had the Blue Jackets, which what 16 game winning streak. And mm-hmm. then uh, and then now Pittsburgh is they're They're putting the pedal to the metal. And now Washington has been one of the best teams in the league for the last, I don't know, couple of months. So it's. And and still, as as good as the Rangers have been, they're just the number one wild card team. So it's it's really outstanding. I mean, they're a point behind Columbus right now, but you know, it really, it's it's splitting hairs at that point. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. So speaking of that, do you think that uh, that Pittsburgh or Columbus would be looking to add on, or just kind of don't mess with a good thing for them? I think Columbus might be that team that just kind of sits tight and says we're just going to go with what we've got. I think Pittsburgh is an interesting one because, number one, they have no cap space whatsoever. But um, I don't know if they're going to be one of those odd things because of the expansion draft where they actually may be a team that sells off one of their big names, which would be Marc-Andre Fleury, Hmm. because they had their young goalie over there in Murray. Yeah. And they can only protect one of those come expansion draft, one of Fleury or Murray. And Fleury's got the no-trade clause. So he has to be protected unless they get rid of him before then, which I think they may try to do come trade deadline day. They might want to try to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, which he has the very large cap hit there. And that might be able to free up a little bit of room if they deal him off to someone looking for a goalie. Maybe uh, maybe Calgary, who's kind of on the bubble. They could use a goaltender. Dallas has been looking for goaltending help basically since Eddie Belfour left. Mm. Um so they might be a team looking for some goaltending help. I know they would never ship Flurry to Philly, but they need goaltending. And if you're a Kings fan, I don't know if Flurry is your choice because Quick hopefully will will recover. But he might be someone to bring in for the rest of the season and maybe try to deal with the draft, something along those lines. You don't know. So I think Flurry might be one of those names that comes up as being dealt next week. And I sort of hope he does because that will liven the day up. Yeah, definitely. Very good point, too. So uh, they, they did really well in the playoffs without him last year and won the Cup. So mm-hmm. uh, is, that, is that it for the uh, big names out there? Uh, I think that's it for big names. I think you have to put the word big in quotes mm-hmm. because some of the other names that are probably going to get dealt are guys that people who aren't diehard hockey fans haven't heard of. So, you know, guys like Patrick Eves and, and Rowdy Verbata, Brian Boyle, ex-Ranger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, P.A. Parento. Those are probably the guys who are going to be dealt next week. Martin Hansel. Big names are probably not going to come up unless it's someone like Marc-Andre Fleury or Kevin Shattenkirk, probably the biggest name. Uh, and I think for me as an Islander fan, again, the expansion draft is something that is 
bringing things out. I honestly, I think Travis Hamannick might be someone to watch for next week that might be dealt. Hmm. Because again, the Islanders have a limited number of players to protect, and they're going to have to lose one of those defensemen that they have. So you know they're going to protect Nick Letty. So that right. leaves Ryan Pollock, Travis Hamannick, Thomas Hickey, and Calvin DeHaan. You have to protect two of those and leave two exposed. So you have to make the decision of, do I protect Hamannick and keep him despite his injury troubles this year? Or do I deal him now and try to get something for him now and keep the other defenseman we've got and get the most value for the one defenseman who is out there available? They've been playing very well without Hamannick. He's been out almost the entirety of the time that Doug Wade has been coach. Excellent point, yeah. What do you do if you're Garth Snow? Do you make the splash and maybe trade him in a package for someone like Matt Duchesne? It's a possibility. Mm. Okay. And as of like five minutes before we started recording this, apparently the Islanders have scouts at the Edmonton Oilers game tonight, specifically likely to watch Jordan Eberle and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So there oh. might be something behind that. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and the Oilers went very heavily after Travis Hamannick last summer. And the Islanders didn't pull the trigger on that because Hamannick had some family stuff going on. They didn't want to do that to him at that point. So Aww. those things might be settled now. And it might be time to deal Hamannick, who has had injury issues this entire season, All right. to, a, so, to a team like Edmonton, who could, pro, who could definitely use him in a playoff run and in the future. And then the Islanders could use a number two center like Eberle or Hopkins behind Tavares. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to worry. JT, you know, JT might leave us in another year or two. Oh, I hope not. Don't don't even don't even. I don't say want that. to say but, it, but uh, yeah, know, I hear you. I, I understand. You have, yeah, you got to be talk. realistic. You're very true. Very true. So, all right, excellent, man. Thank you so much. This really helps, at least for me, and I hope it helps the listener out there too. The narrow it down and keep it a little bit more specific because it's all over the place. The NHL trade deadline. So, thank you so much, Brad, for your expertise. Now, Gary, we haven't heard much from you. So, for the so day much, point uh, of view, yeah, yeah. Per- Probably much to the listener's delight. Uh, disagree. So um, the, uh, in, the, in the world of deck, yeah. as we said before, at least in the LIQ, that usually to keep things as smooth as possible, we usually have pickup games. We don't have necessarily teams that are set. But, uh, so we leave the goalies to pick teams because usually that just makes things a bit easier. We have two goalies, so it just there's no fighting and, and anything like that. So Gary, as you said before, that you're not comfortable in that uh, role of picking teams. No, I do but, a pretty poor job of picking even teams, frankly. So when Brad is picked number one overall, yeah. which is a given, uh-huh. so whichever goalie gets Brad first, do you look to, for the players that you know, because the LIQ have played together for a good you know, three years or so, so there are exceptions that sometimes we'll get a new player or somebody we're not familiar with, but do you try and balance the team to... Let's say you do get Brad as your first pick, and then do you try and be a little bit more offensive-minded team, or do you try and balance it between all offense and, and good defense or just all offense or all defense? Well, as you've probably observed, I try to get you. You know, I mean, That's why you lose all the time, but go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, if, if the other team winds up with Brad, then I certainly need a top defenseman to shut him down whenever possible. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Although, I am curious, and I would like to hear a little more about this bag of pucks that's on offer. Or, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, how many, I guess, how many pucks are we talking, and what's the temperature grade for, for these pucks? That's, how, how used yeah. are they, also? 
Uh, good, good, all good questions. Uh, some of them are cracked. Some of them have scuffs, but uh, they run the gamut. So if you're familiar in the deck hockey world, that different color deck hockey balls are used for different weather. So orange is basically the average one. So you could use that in, in all kinds of weather for the most part. If it's really cold, if it's really warm, that it expands or contracts with the temperature. Then there are red deck hockey balls, which yeah. I believe those are. I think for the, the red are weather. usually the hardest for the hottest weather. Okay, so I completely got that opposite. And then the lighter colors would be uh, then for the, the cold weather. So they'd be better uh, to deal with and react. So, yeah, the, the, the bag of pucks, it's a, it's a new bag, so the bag is in good shape. Okay, but, uh, I could, I, I'm always the, in the market for a good bag. The pucks are, are usable. You can use them in-game or and or practice. So I, it's a pretty I do already deal. have a lot of pucks, though. I, I have a nice glow-in-the-dark puck for the cold weather, actually. It's, it's, oh, I'm, it's not, I'm nice. not worth the glow-in-the-dark No, I was, yeah. you know what? I think, I think I might as well just hang on to you. I think it's in my best interest to just just keep you, James. I think you're making a mistake, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> um, but to answer your you know your 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 previous question, yes, my like I said, my my first pick is I always try to to make it you because you know you're my <laughs> you're my top defenseman, and you know obviously we're very close, so uh, there there's the loyalty factor as well, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you have a good solid defense, you want to offset that with a good offense. So depending on who's available, I would try and pick. Like if if, if Brad's on the other team and I get you and somebody like a Joe, who's a very good offensive player, or, um, you know, someone like Carlos, who doesn't play with us much anymore, which is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, he's he's pretty good offensively. He's also a beast. So, you know, you, you, it, he's hard to move off the puck. Um, uh-huh. You know, somebody with some offensive pop. And then... Um, yeah, Rob, yeah. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't make Rob a first... Uh, Rob's a very good player, but he, he's not a player that can really change the course of a game on his own. You know, he's he's very good at, at, at staying around the net and kind of picking up the trash and and getting those rebounds and kind of getting those dirty garbage goals which is important cuz those count just as much as the pretty ones but you want somebody ideally that you're going to be able to count on to make a play create a play out of nothing like a Brad or a Joe or um yeah Brad uh, Iggy yeah. Iggy right right uh yeah, yeah. and Igor something like that Fair enough. But uh, yeah, Brad, you're being very quiet because you're too damn humble. But the other thing, too, is not only is Brad the, the best all-around player offensively, he's a good goalie and he's a great defenseman, too, because I'm always the one that's pat myself on the back for blocking shots and stuff. But Brad, man, he'll lay out when you need it and, and he'll have the sense enough to pop back up, control the puck and then score. So, yeah, Brad, you're a great two-way player. So, you know, getting you is like getting a good offensive and defensive player. So it's kind of like a, a twofer. Uh, thanks, guys. You're making me blush over here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then stop playing so well. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Unless you're on our team, in which case, don't stop playing that well. Amen, brother. <laughs> 
But uh, hopefully we didn't take up too much of your time, sir, Brad. So thank you so much for uh, sorting all this stuff out for us. We really appreciate it. Hope the listener out there appreciates it and gets us focused on what's going on with our favorite NHL teams and seeing what to look for and, and, and see how the trade deadline will pan out and how the postseason will uh, unfold as well. So, Brad, thank you so much again for joining us. And uh, take care, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you again soon, okay? Yep. Take care. Thanks, buddy. No problem. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. Now that the smart guy is gone, let's talk about Splapshot, yeah? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, Gary and I have gushed over this movie in the past many a time, and any hockey fan loves this movie. It's a bit mature, so we have warned the listener out there to make sure when you watch it that the children aren't around. Mm. But uh, the NHL Network did do a good job in showing an edited version of it, so it was much cleaner. But there were some adult situations that did slip through, and uh, so just keep that in mind. But for a hockey fan, it's legendary. The Hanson brothers are just uh, – forget it. They're the, uh, the crown jewel of hockey jokes and and Mm -hmm. situations and things like that. So uh, for the NHL Network, they did do a great celebration. They aired February 8th, a special half hour on the making of of, of Slapshot. It was pretty interesting. I I, I enjoyed it very much. So if you could catch that, definitely do so. And the Hanson brothers were on. So the the actual actors or hockey players that portrayed the Hanson brothers, Jeff Carlson, Steve Carlson, and Dave Hanson, were there as well. And uh, Paul Newman, the late, great Paul Newman, was the man. So it was all thanks to him that it was made, and he insisted on it. He was uh, one of those man's men type of guys, could really skate, and just an excellent, one of the best actors of all time. So he, he made it all come to fruition, and the rest is history. So awesome movie. Can't believe it's 40 years already, man. But uh, yeah, February 25th, 1977, it came out. Then three years later, the Miracle on Ice happened. So a whole generation of hockey fans were born from that in this wonderful country of the USA. So I think Slapshot has a lot to do with that as well. So enjoy it. Watch the DVD if you have it. Watch uh, the the Sirius XM is doing a special on it as well for the uh, radio listeners out there and satellite listeners. So celebrate it. Enjoy it. Love it. And if you don't know it, you're missing out on a lot. So definitely check it out. Yeah. And you may recall we talked about slap shot on an early hit the deck that might have been episode eight of hit the deck where we talked about our good hockey movie choices that's right where we yep. uh went expounded at length about how great a movie slap shot is and really as james said it is the quintessential hockey movie so you know i i i, I <laughs> it's a movie where they actually play hockey like it's not it's not a movie about a hockey team that that's about something else that just about people who happen to play hockey it's a movie about hockey like it it's just it's very it's very funny it's a bit off color as james said but if you haven't seen Slapshot, really if you like hockey at all you owe it to yourself to go watch this movie so you know please go check it out yeah and what better way to celebrate the seven days of or uh, hockey week in america i should say than with the best hockey movie ever made so nice little cherry on top mm-hmm so, yeah, Gary, hopefully the LIQ will play at the end of this week and put the finishing touches on um, on Hockey Week in the USA. But again, as Gary and I have said, the American Rhino and I have said, I should say, is that every day and every week is Hockey Day and Week in America for us at Hit the Deck. So 
at least it's official now, I guess. Listen, James, if my daughter calls me Gary, you can call me Gary. That That's fine. You don't have to <laughs> break out the nicknames. It feels weird, though. It's like, you know, it's either Mr. Gary Maxer or the American Rhino, so I'm sorry. No, because, like, I, no, 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 that's fine. I have introduced okay. myself as such, and, and American Rhino is a valid as any way to refer to me, but I just feel like doing that too much at time, it's like, hey, it's drive time with the bozo and the cheech. Honk, honk, honk. <laughs> It's Wacky Wednesday. Let's do a crank call. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was a time when I did actually want to be like a drive time DJ, but I like you know, in college. I was a I was a DJ in college. Uh, it is good that I had a co-host because I was very bad at doing it myself. But really, I just like playing music. And you know, as a drive time DJ, you don't get to do a lot of that because there's the news and there's the traffic and there's the weather and there's the commercials and. Less rock, more talk. You know, it's just, it's, I don't, I don't. Where's the passion? Where's the art? There's none of that. And I don't want this podcast to be associated with that kind of hackery. So, uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, well, <laughs> I have no idea where this was going. Um, so in the Cheech, that is awesome. So, so in conclusion, hockey. Yes. So uh, yeah, the uh, and, and hit the deck three. As a matter of fact, we Gary and I expressed our admiration and appreciation of the 1980 Miracle on Ice. The uh, yeah, we did Team USA winning, well, beating Russia first, and then two days later winning the gold. <laughs> we don't want to repeat ourselves too much, but we'll we'll leave Twitter to to that and Facebook to join in the celebration, but uh, it's just really a great week for, for hockey in, in the U.S., and, and I'm glad that they officially designated this week as uh, Hockey Week in America. Yeah, um, There's a lot of hockey on TV, NHL hockey, and Friday being at the recording of this podcast, uh, wearing your favorite hockey jersey day, so uh, hopefully kids won't get in trouble in school if if, uh, if they're not on winter break right now and they don't have to wear uniforms if you could wear your favorite hockey jersey. I don't think I can uh, get away with wearing one to work. Uh, yeah. I thought about it. I thought about it, but I don't think I can pull it off. But do you actually have a favorite jersey? Is that like saying picking your favorite kid or something? Or is there one that stands out more than any other? For you? you know, I don't around? own that many hockey jerseys, although my wife would probably tell you otherwise. I have uh, I have a couple Ranger jerseys. I have a... Actually, I have three Ranger jerseys, technically. Two of them I got, like, secondhand to play deck hockey in, but um, none of them have names on them. Although one of them did. It was a Callahan jersey. I took the name off because my name isn't Callahan. And I felt weird playing goal in a forwards jersey. It just didn't seem right to me. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So I, I have a few Rangers jerseys. I have I have a blue, a, a jersey, a crestless jersey in the style of the Rangers blue shirt jersey that has my name on it and number. But it doesn't say Rangers on it. It, it's just a just a blue jersey with the the white and the red trimming. Um, I am currently wearing a Link jersey from The Legend of Zelda, which I got from Geeky Hockey. I also have a Voltron jersey from the same site and a Spaceballs jersey. 
and a couple of Brooklyn Cyclones jerseys, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. I don't know if I can point to any of them and say this is my favorite. Uh, I, I guess it depends on what mood I'm in. Although, James, you have some nice jerseys. Oh, and of course I have my Liquidators jersey. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't leave that one out. I have my Liquidators jersey and my LIQ jersey. So um, those are important. But I guess I don't think about them too often because I wear them more frequently. They're, you know, they're just – they're part of my hockey uniform. So I don't even think of them as, as, as you know, my hockey jerseys. But they – I guess they are more my hockey jerseys than anything else I wear. I've been rambling. I apologize. James, you have a couple of very nice jerseys. You're wearing one of them right now and uh, another one we've talked about on the podcast, which is the Hit the Deck jersey, the official Hit the Deck hockey jersey. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I can point to any any favorites, but what about you? You aren't rambling at all. Uh, I, that's why I asked the question, because I can't. Uh, luckily, I have very generous family and, and friends in, in the American Rhino that have bought me so many awesome jerseys. Exactly right. I'm, I'm wearing the Mike Ruzioni jersey, which is the, the white jersey that they beat the Russians in, mm. which uh, my brother and sister-in-law bought for me for Christmas a couple of years ago. So uh, Terribly this podcast. Yep. That's right. It's the actual anniversary of when they beat the Russians. Yes. Yeah, my hit-the-deck jersey, which I love that, that uh, the American Rhino designed and surprised the heck out of me with. Liquidators jersey as well. You designed and created and got that for me one Christmas. I have a Gretzky Ranger jersey that he retired in, which was my 21st birthday present from, again, my sister-in-law and brother. Nice. So, uh, yeah, those are just, those are the, the my favorites of the favorites. And, yeah, I have a couple of Cyclones jerseys, hockey jerseys, uh, a, a Flames jersey I bought with no name or number on it, which I used to play in, and uh, a couple of Rangers jerseys that I play, used to play in as well before the uh, Liquidators jersey. So I don't know. Um, the, the Gretzky one, the Hit the Deck one, the Aruzioni one, or I guess would Liquidators. I'll, I'll narrow it down to those. So All right. just to keep it flowing, those are really near and dear to my heart, and I appreciate them so much. What's your opinion on the shirtsy? Oh, uh, are you talking about the LIQ shirt that we and and the hit the deck shirt or the one? No, no, that, I'm just I've, generally the concept of the t-shirt jersey. I'm just I'm just wondering where you fall. Does that count as a jersey or uh, it, it is? What do you think about that? Yeah, that that's a good question, which we've delved in, in the past. In in this case, I don't consider that a jersey. Right. Like, the, like like we've said, like sweater or jersey. It's mm-hmm. it's the long sleeves and. And the, uh, the the bulky style, even with the new style jerseys, which are slimmer. But uh, yeah, I just like that 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 air knit, and they look cool, and they have numbers on them, and, and names or whatever, and they're they're great colors, and I, I just love the styles of hockey jerseys. I think they're really awesome. So especially when they mean so much to me from the the people that have bought them for me, and and uh, like for Gretzky representing Gretzky, it's just really near and dear to the heart. So like, maybe we can have an exception for wear your favorite hockey jersey to kind of wear your favorite hockey jerseys. So mm. in the morning, you'll start off with one, and then in the, the night, you'll finish off with it with, a, with another one. So who knows? But, but for the cool love thing. of Lord Stanley, if you are wearing a hockey jersey, do not, do not, do not tuck it in. Do not entertain the thought of tucking it into your pants, because that is not how you wear a hockey jersey. If you do that, then you must immediately surrender your hockey jersey, because clearly you don't know how to wear it. Sorry. Amen to that. No, that I, don't, I don't know where that came from. That I just I I look. I'm not I'm not what you would consider a fashion plate myself. But I mean, come on, man. There are rules. Uh, yeah. 
And and the only reason why Gretzky tucked in one part of his jersey was that when he was so young, he was playing against teenagers, and the jersey was too big, so he had to actually literally tuck it in his hockey pants while he was playing on one side because it would interfere with a shot and stuff. So that's the only exception, but you're 100% right. If you're a fan, you don't even think about tucking that thing in. It just it doesn't – don't. If Wayne Gretzky wants to tuck his jersey into his hockey pants, he's earned it. If, yeah. you know – Chaz wants to tuck his jersey into his khakis. That's not okay. I'm just saying. Absolutely. And and the American Rhino has spoken. So Ah! where are your favorite jersey? I still don't know what noise rhinos make. I really have to look that up. All right. I I definitely know the grunts that the one makes when he's playing goal and has uh, bad knees to worry about. But so, yeah, wear your hockey jersey with pride. Hopefully play some deck hockey this week. Watch as much NHL as you can. Watch Slapshot. And then you have the outdoor game between the Flyers and Pens at Heinz Field on Saturday the 25th. So all hail hockey. Enjoy it. Love it. Embrace it. And God bless it. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, Pops. Yes. All right. This has been an action-packed. Action-packed? Really? This has been a very full podcast. It's not like we're jumping off of rooftops and shooting at people. I don't. What is wrong with me? Anyway, thank you, Pops, for being the voice of the podcast. Thank you to Anthony Sajazi for contributing music to the podcast, the LIQ for sound effects. Thank you, as always, to you, our dear, dear listener, for continuing to listen to and support the podcast. We will not be able to do this without you. We very, very much appreciate you. We would appreciate it even more if you would consider subscribing, if you have not already done so, on iTunes or Stitcher or any other number of podcasting outlets. And if you could spread the word about the Hit the Deck podcast, we would very, very sincerely appreciate that because we do want nothing more than to grow this podcast. We also would like to remind you to, if you want, hit us up on our Gmail account at hitthedeck at gmail.com, D-E-K, deck, at gmail.com. Hit the Deck Pod on Twitter. Hit the Deck on Facebook and Instagram. And the recently updated Hit the Deck YouTube channel, which now currently features every single episode and scrimmage of this podcast and will very, very shortly feature a very cool video featurette and uh, something else that's coming in the next few weeks, a a brand new dimension to hit the deck, which James and I are really excited about and we think you're going to enjoy. So stay tuned for that. If you have not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please consider doing that. You, I do not think, will regret it. James, is there anything that you'd like to contribute? I I talk too much in this podcast, so thank you. You got it, sir. Anytime. Anytime you want to drop some knowledge and jump in and dominate the conversation, you do so. Because you have earned it, my friend. You have earned it. And you, don't think I forgot about you, you need to be reminded. Or maybe you don't need to be reminded. You probably don't, because I say it at the end of every podcast. But, you know, if something is worth saying, it's worth saying every single time. And what is worth saying to you is that it's hockey week in America. So for the love of Lord Stanley, please remember, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. He's our guest. Definitely. I, th- I thought that went really, really guest. well. So, He's yeah. our guest. There's more knowledge than the rest. I don't know. 
Disney won't be calling me anytime soon. 